Hello, and welcome back to CityCast. Today, we are looking at committees from the perspective of Cameron Crutch. We are so lucky to have him join us today and share his insights on his work. Hi, my name is Cameron Crutch. I use he, him pronouns. I serve on the City of Hamilton's LGBTQ Advisory Committee, where I'm currently the chair. I'm a proud member of the Governing Council for the Hamilton Center for Civic Inclusion, and I'm on the founding board of directors for Pride Hamilton. Wow. So how did you end up actually getting involved, and what was the process of that? City committees revolve around council's four-year term cycle, and getting involved with them means putting an application in with the city and hopefully having them select you. Sometimes you get interviewed for these committees, sometimes you don't. It ends up taking between six and eight months, so it's one of those kinds of patient things, right? A new council is sworn in in an election year, a call goes out toward the end of that year asking for volunteers to join committees, and then you wait patiently for the time to tick by to get your interview, hopefully. Um, If not, then they just kind of send you a notice saying, congratulations, you've been appointed. And so that's the process. Uh, And then council confirms those appointments sometime in the following, in that that same spring. And then you show up for some training and you're on the committee, that's it. Wow, that seems pretty intense. So how long do you get to stay on the committee once you've been selected? You end up staying on the committee for the full four years because you're there during the other period when they're recruiting, right? You still remain an active member of that committee until you're basically until you're replaced. So what is a typical meeting like? Advisory committees are weird. There's no one single advisory committee meeting that gives you a template of what to expect at these things. There are 13 advisory committees in the city of Hamilton, and they all have different themes, I would say. Um, Some are classified under the group of equity seeking. And a typical meeting generally revolves around things people are hearing from their communities. And so you can imagine that that goes up and down. Sometimes those things are related to events that are happening in the community. And so for the LGBTQ advisory committee, that means sometimes we're talking about pride. Other times it means we're talking about um, something that's happening that's noteworthy in the news or something that's happening uh, locally, something that's happening in a community, something that's happening that's affecting and impacting people. And, and recently, we've been talking a lot about COVID at our last couple of meetings and about the impact that it's had on members of oppressed communities. Um, so those are the kinds of things that happen at meetings. They kind of take a boring structure, to be honest. And so you have to be patient at an advisory committee meeting. Uh, you have to go through the sort of road activities um, until you get to the part where there's discussions. And those can be really meaningful discussions. We often have city staff who come into meetings and ask us questions um, or other groups who come forward and say, hey, we're doing a survey or a study on something or, hey, we, we're doing, you know, we'd like your thoughts and opinions on this action we're about to take. What do you think? And so that's the kind of shape these meetings tend to take is uh, conversational in nature. We do make some decisions, um, but most of our job is to give advice and recommendations to city council. And so we do that um, as well. But most of it's, uh, as I say, it's it's more informal than your typical sort of uh, standing committee at the city of Hamilton. Advisory committee meetings take on a social element to a certain, in a certain way, because they're there to act as a liaison between these communities as best they can. They're not always the most representative. Um, between these communities in the City Hall. And for instance, the LGBTQ Advisory Committee for a really long time has hosted a flag raising ceremony and and all that kind of thing. And that's been a social function. And annually for a number of years, we've also hosted kind of a December social. Um, Before COVID, uh, last year we had uh, an event at the YWCA and we just invited members of Two-Spirit and LGBTQI plus communities to come out and eat some food and the committee paid for it. So that, that is there as part of what we do so we can try to engage with and um, 
you know, make connections with people in the community so that when we're, we're making decisions or making recommendations, we have those things in mind. Wow, I love that point about when you said uh, that you were getting the community involved because we learned that it was really important to engage everyone and build that sense of community. So that is amazing. So I guess my next question would be, what are your budgets like and how do you allocate it? Budgets for advisory committees are really low. We're talking a few thousand dollars. We're allowed to keep some monies in reserve, which is nice, but um, we're typically gonna be giving that money out to the community in some way, right? So the Transgender Day of Remembrance, we donate to that. We often donate to Pride. Um, and then the rest of the money is used kind of for before COVID again, um, food at meetings maybe, um, the kinds of things that we might wanna uh, donate to that are, that are events that are happening. All those things go through the kind of council process, right? So we make a recommendation and the recommendation gets approved by the standing committee and then it goes up to the next echelon and further on to council. And on our committee and like every advisory committee, we have appointees from city council, they're called. And so uh, for our committee, it's Councillor Maureen Wilson, who sits on the LGBTQ advisory committee. But each one of the 13 has someone from council who's there um, really just to offer that perspective of council and sometimes when asked, give advice. So what is the relationship between the committee and the council? Even though we have that really great connection between city council and the committee by having a city council appointee, the relationship between these things is actually rather strained and strange. We have to go through a kind of a labyrinthine process to get a recommendation to council. It's not simply a matter of writing it down and sending it away. It's a matter of creating a report, having the report approved by the committee, having that report sent to the you know standing committee above us. Then it goes through the general issues committee to council, and eventually, when it's approved, um, we find out whether or not that recommendation will be taken up. But typically speaking, that's been the way things have gone for quite a while, and especially this term of council is that independently the committee is coming up with advice and ideas. We're not really having city council um, come to us and say, hey, what do you think about this idea? What do you think about this uh, activity or program we're going to put on? How do you think it will impact your community? We're just not getting that kind of, those kinds of questions at all, unfortunately. Um, I think there was some opportunities missed this term already. I mean, there was a discussion about civil marriage ceremonies, and I thought that that would have been a great way to connect with our committee, ask questions about civil marriage ceremonies, and see if folks from, you know, Two-Spirit and LGBTQIA plus communities were interested in having that conversation and wanted to know what was going to be going on or could offer some input and advice about how to make them as inclusive as possible. But the way the city structured it, there was no time for us to, to have the conversation because the decision was made before we met again. So I think that there could be more opportunities to strengthen that relationship because I think the whole purpose of having an advisory committee is to give advice. And if we're not actively doing that job of giving advice and we're sort of just um, you know, having more discussions and other kinds of things going on, are these committees serving the purpose they, they're designed for? Um, and I think that that's a really important question council has to ask. And an easy way, I think, to strengthen the relationship because especially during COVID where we're seeing that folks in oppressed communities and folks on the edges are disproportionately impacted by COVID, this seems to be the perfect time to be reaching out to advisory committees to see what they're hearing on the ground. So I guess my next question would be, how many of these recommendations are put into action and how many of them are ignored? In terms of the LGBTQ advisory committee in this term of council, it's a bit 50-50 in terms of the kinds of things that get support and the kinds of things that don't get support or there's no further action taken. And so when we first sat down at our very first committee meeting in May, 
what we recognized immediately was that the committee didn't really exemplify the kind of representation that we thought it should if we're thinking broadly about two-spirit and LGBTQIA plus communities. We didn't have everybody in the room. And we found out that, unfortunately, our committee had been capped at nine members when it had previously had 15. So one of the recommendations we made to council was, hey, uh, can you put it back to 15? And they said, sure, makes sense. We thought there was some other issue going on there. It turns out there wasn't. Um, happy to do that. And so now we're in the slow process. Um, it's going to take years of getting those members back up to the number of 15 again. It's not something council was certainly happy to do. But in terms of recommendations we made around the flag raising, or recommendations we even made recently around an appointment to the police services board, council just kind of said, we're not taking any further action with this, we're not going to even address it, and they kind of just put it in the drawer. And so um, there wasn't a robust discussion. So I think that's also a place where the city could explore expanding uh, how it deals with advisory committees, is how it takes up these actions. Right now it has these very formal, very rational ways of dealing with, I think, issues that are really important to these communities. And it sort of says, well, you know, this item will be received and no further action taken, and that's it. So I think that there should be some mandatory element of discussion. And I think that uh, there has to be more work done to make sure that the advisory committee chair or somebody else from the committee is actually present during that discussion so they can present on it. And to their, to their credit, um, after that suggestion was made, they've started doing that and you know, letting people know, okay, this is when it's going to be on the agenda if you'd like to come and speak about it. And I think that connectivity is important is having someone down there to say, look, we made this recommendation in good faith. Here's why we recommended it and, and have a bit of Q&A. We don't see that so, so much right now, but I think in the future we're gonna see a lot more of it. And I think that's the place where you're gonna get more uptake from city council in terms of accepting the recommendations of their advisory committee. The process of sort of this Q&A and reporting has been going on for a while now, but it hasn't been spread equally across all committees. And so a great example I think of every year is that there's, there's an annual report given by the seniors advisory committee. Um, and it's kind of famous in a way. The Seniors Advisory Committee always gives their annual report and they always tell you what you're doing. And the Cycling Committee does it too. But for whatever reason, uh, a lot of other committees have never given an annual report to City Council. And so it's important, I think, for all of us to do that, all of us to be seen and counted, all of us to be part of the process of reporting. And so we're just picking up on, I think, um, just making sure that that loop, that thread is carried through so that everybody's doing the same stuff and that we're having a chance to do that. But it's been going on for a while now. Wow, thank you for your valuable insight. So what would your recommendations be for uh, improving the role of the committees? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think that there are three things that could really make advisory committees better and make their participation in city government better. And those three things are autonomy, support, and clarity. So if committees had first more autonomy, I think it would be really easy for them to develop as a culture of advisory committees, not independently on their own as one-offs, but as a culture of all advisory committees, to develop a more straightforward, easier to use and more accessible method of giving advice to council, right? But in order to do that, there has to be a little more autonomy. Right now, um, there's quite a lot of control about everything that advisory committees say, sometimes do, and sometimes think. And so I, I think it's really important for the city to examine its relationship with an advice-giving body, right? That's what these things are. And uh, as I've always said, city councillors can choose just not to take the advice. It's an easy, an easy avenue is to say, we really appreciate that advice, but for this reason and that reason, we're just not going to go that way. Um, and so I think allow, the allowing a mechanism of advice-giving is an easy thing to do. So the first thing is autonomy. Second thing is support. I don't think a lot of people realize, but A, these are super volunteer roles. And when I say volunteer, I mean no one gets paid, but I also mean that you 
are putting a lot of your own effort in to make the machinery work. So as the chair, I don't have an, a City of Hamilton email address. I don't have access to any internal stuff, right? I'm on the outside, but I'm being asked to operate a citizen committee of the city of Hamilton. And so that's a really weird position to be in because there's many times people send me formal communications to my personal email address or, or call me or ask me to do things. And um, those things are not really within my mandate, but if I don't do them or I don't participate or I don't uh, you know, respond, then some part of the committee falls apart, right? Some part of the operation doesn't quite work. And so I think people don't realize how much effort is put in by volunteers to just maintain uh, the committee's presence and momentum, because there isn't just a support there for these committees. They're a little bit of an afterthought, unfortunately. And so I think it's going to get better. But again, it's going to require all the advisory committees to sit down, talk amongst themselves about the pros and cons of the situations they're in, and then develop something that's meaningful and present it to council and say, here's where we need your input and change. The third thing is um, clarity. So right now, it's just kind of a very murky time in advisory committees. I don't think anyone I've spoken to on an advisory committee has any idea what they are or are not allowed to do, what the policies do or don't say, if the code of conduct applies or doesn't apply. Um, many people who've read the code of conduct and read the advisory committee handbook walk away saying, great, now what? Um, or great, I don't understand what this, this says here. And when asking advice, they say, well, historically, this is what's happened here, and historically, this is what's happened here. Um, and so the training, um, which should just be kind of a two-hour training session that you get um, to explain everything, ends up being this kind of really long learning period. And what that does, unfortunately, is it privileges people in positions of seniority. So new people coming in don't have the clarity they need to just hit the ground running and participate in these meetings, and often find themselves alienated, and frankly, they quit. Right? And so you end up getting a fair bit of attrition over the period because people get disenfranchised and they, they feel like they can't participate because it's not clear what they're supposed to do. So the third thing I think is clarity. Wow, thank you so much for all of your valuable insight towards committees. I really enjoyed hearing about your experiences and um, the role of committees in making decisions. And I'm now wondering if you have any closing remarks you would like to do. Sure. I can say something about engagement, at least. City advisory committees are kind of a good and a bad place to do civic engagement. If you're interested in learning about how City Hall works, if you're interested in getting more involved um, in the corporate structure of the City of Hamilton and possibly delegating and presenting your ideas to City Council for recommendations, this is a pretty great place to do it. You're going to have to work within the system to figure it out, and there's some challenges there. But if you're somebody who's looking to affect your community at a very local level, if you're looking to engage with people in your community and impact them and make change at that level, so I gotta be honest with you, I don't think advisory committees are really the place to do that because unfortunately, there are some limits in place. Um, some of the things that you might normally be doing and some of the activism or advocacy that you might normally be doing in your day-to-day -day life while you're out there chatting with people and, and, and doing work in the community isn't gonna really fit into a structure like this and oftentimes, um, We'll get you in trouble. Thank you for joining us today on CityCast. Look us up on your favorite podcasting platform to stay in touch. Till next time.